listening to an extra shot episode on the Project Zion podcast, a shorter episode that lets you get your Project Zion fix in between our full-length episodes. It might be shorter time-wise, but hopefully not in content. So regardless of the temperature at which you prefer your caffeine, sit back and enjoy this extra shot. and welcome back to Holy Grounds, a series where we discuss personal and communal spiritual practices and how we best connect with the divine. Today, I'm super excited to interview Ron Harmon. Ron and I have known each other for a while and his family has been just really good to me and super special to me. And Ron, I'm so honored to interview you for Holy Grounds. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. It's great to be on the podcast today. Uh, Ron, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? All that stuff. Well, uh, the most uh, important thing about me is um, that I am the father of three wonderful children, uh, Katie, uh, Daniel, and Lindsay, and um, I'm also married to uh, an amazing wife, uh, Barb, and um, that is kind of where my, a lot of my grounding comes from, is in my relationship with them, and um, we all have the, I guess, the blessing, you would say, of uh, being able to share um, kind of a, a common passion for uh, the life of the church today and how it can be relevant in the lives of people. So that's really nice that we can share in that as a family. Um, for Community of Christ, I have the privilege of uh, serving in the Council of Twelve and uh, I was uh, ordained an apostle in 2005 and um, have shared in several parts of the U.S. Currently, I am responsible for the Western United States and uh, have also been privileged to provide direction to an experiment called Leading Congregations in Mission, which uh, in many ways is about integrating uh, spiritual practice and mission together into a new rhythm of life that leads us into the future. And I also serve as the USA team lead uh, for the USA apostles assigned uh, to the United States. And I'm currently serving as the mission center president for the Pacific Southwest International Mission Center, which is Southern California and Nevada and part of um, Southern Utah. So those are the things that I do for Community of Christ. Well, that sounds so easy. Like you have tons of free time, it sounds like. I do. I, yeah. I do. I've actually been looking for another project. Do you have one for me? <laughs> sure. Oh my gosh, I have 50. I'll yeah. tell you, I'll mail you later. All right, deal. So Ron, and all of this incredible free time that you have, um, what, and, and I know that your life is just so crazy, but what spiritual practice helps keep you grounded and helps keep you connected with the divine? What spiritual practice is the one you, is your go-to one? Well, I'd have to say that my, my go-to one is probably the mission prayer. Um, and um, that prayer actually came out of my own struggle um, 
to not feel like I was kind of a actor in my own life, but that I was actually uh, waking up and becoming more aware of what was going on around me and that my life wasn't merely a series of getting from point A to point B in terms of tasks and things I need to do. And so um, I wrote the mission prayer kind of out of my own struggle in my own experience to slow down, to be more present and to be open to, um, you know, risking something new on a daily basis uh, in terms of a willingness to follow God's movement into the places where, you know, I work and in the places where, um, I'm with people, you know, throughout the day. So mission prayer for me has kind of been a, kind of been a foundation and the prayers just now kind of integrated into my daily life experience. I kind of say it a couple times a day just to remind myself to slow down and to be present and to be open to where God's spirit may be moving around me. So is there like a specific practice that you work or that you do with it or or is it really just like integrated throughout all that you do well you know i kind of i try to do the mission prayer um a couple times a day um just you know and it's kind of like i try to pay attention to when i'm in transition between things um and i've i've kind of learned that if i can be more present in the transitions between activities you know, and I don't always say the whole mission prayer. I mean, sometimes it's just God help me be fully awake or God help me be present, um, you know, as I go into this next activity or as I engage in this next conversation. Um, So I kind of use parts of the mission prayer um, in between kind of the spaces between activities where I'm trying to pause and to be kind of more present, you know, throughout my day. Oh, that's wonderful. Can you go ahead and just say, just for our listeners, what is the mission prayer? Will you speak it for us? Uh, Yeah. So um, the mission prayer is God, where um, will your spirit lead today? Help me be fully awake and ready to respond. Grant me courage to risk something new and become a blessing of your love and peace. So it's a, Uh, it's, it's a really simple prayer. And, uh, it's, uh, it's not so much important that that's the prayer, but it's what's behind the prayer in terms of a, a real desire to, um, <clears throat> for me, it was a desire not to, I call it sleepwalk through life, um, but to be fully awake and open to um, the people and the places and the opportunities and the movement of the spirit that um, I believe is always um, present around us, seeking to draw us into relationship with others. Yeah. So how have you noticed that that's saying the prayer in between, in those in-between spaces, as you say, how does that change your day or change that next activity? Have you noticed a difference in when you say it and when you don't say it? Well, you know, I, sometimes the answer is yes. And um, sometimes um you know, I'm not as good about praying it, but when I, when I do pray the prayer or, or I pray certain phrases of the prayer, um, I find that there is a heightened um, awareness. I, I remember one experience I had. Um, a lot of times when I'm home, my home, my permanent home is in Independence. And a lot of times when I'm home, you know, like I'll have a two-hour block where 
it's like, okay, I got two hours to cut the grass. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm off and running to something else. And so I can be like really task oriented. And I have a neighbor that um, lives next door to us. It's almost always out in his backyard. And a lot of times, you know, I'll go directly back to the shed. I'll get the mower out and, you know, I'm in task mode because I have a limited amount of time to do this. And um, I remember one particular day where I had said the mission prayer that morning and I walked out the back door and I looked, you know, kind of over in the corner of my eye and I saw Stan back there. And I just kind of had this impulse that you really should just walk over and visit with Stan. And so I did. And we had just had this wonderful um, conversation. And after I got done with the yard, a little bit later, I was out front and I was trying to get these uh, big, huge stakes out that had staked a tree that I um, had staked when it was much smaller, but now I didn't need those stakes anymore. And I was having a terrible time getting these stakes out of the ground. I did a really good job putting them in. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, really. I couldn't get them out. And Stan saw me struggling and, you know, Stan's an older guy. He's retired and I think he's got a lot of time. Uh, and he came over and he had these bottle jacks and said, hey, can I help you with that? And so, you know, he got these jacks in place and we jacked out these stakes and I could, you know, it was just one of those moments where I could just see the absolute delight in his eyes that he was able to help me um, with that project. And you know, I honestly don't think that would have happened had I not walked out my back door, had I not prayed the mission prayer, had I not walked out my back door, had not sensed that impulse to engage Stan in a conversation, which then gave him a level of comfort to come over, you know, when I was struggling with that, those stakes out in the front yard and say, hey, you know, can I help you out? And, you know, the word Jesus was never uttered anywhere in that conversation, but there was a profound sense of connection and value and, you know, the worth of persons was expressed in him being able to find a way that he could contribute and help me out in a way that has changed the nature of our relationship. So, um, so that's just kind of one concrete example of sometimes how the mission prayer is disruptive in that it awakens me to, things that are there all the time, but I just don't see them because I'm so task oriented. Oh, wow. Well, that's a great um, example. I, isn't it in section 165 where it says um, opportunities abound daily if we choose to see them or something like that? Yeah, Ooh. no, that's exactly right. Um, and I really do believe that. Um, I believe that um, also, you know, section 154, the Doctrine and Covenants, you know, my spirit is reaching out to numerous souls even now. And I, I really do believe that, um, that the Spirit of God, in ways that we don't fully comprehend, is constantly moving in the world, seeking to you know, reconcile, restore, seeking to bring all things into relationship with all other things and all other people. And I feel like when we, um, part of the task of spiritual practice is to awaken us to what's already happening around us so that we can participate in that movement that's already occurring in the world. And <laughs> I'd be the first one to say that I really have the capacity to be totally blind uh, to what's going on around me. And so for me, uh, it's not just the, the mission prayer, but spiritual practices in general um, really help me to, to be more awake uh, to what's going on around me. 
Oh, what an excellent example. Thank you so much for telling us that. That is so important for the listeners. You know, like a lot of times on this podcast, we talk a lot about meditation or prayer or centering prayer and things that are quiet activities for ourselves, but we can do a spiritual practice in like 20 seconds, right? And like, just be more intentional, work really hard at being present in the moment. And as the prayer says, being fully awake and ready to respond. Like you don't have to take 20 minutes out of every day to do it, although that's great too, but you, you can just um, have those little fast reminders. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, what, one of the things that excites me about spiritual practices is they don't have to be complicated. They don't have to even be uncomfortable. Um, you know, it can be something as simple as I sit out on my porch in the morning and I have a sip of coffee and I'm just open to the presence of God. You know, coffee on the sun porch can be a spiritual practice. Absolutely. So I think sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Oh, we definitely do. Yes. Okay. So that's your favorite personal practice, which is wonderful. Um, what is your favorite communal practice or group practice? Like what is something that you like to do in a large group that helps people, you know, helps bring us deeper or bring us to a new awareness? Yeah. What's your favorite? Well, it's hard for me because I have two favorites. Um, so I, I love a practice that we've implemented in uh, leading congregations in mission called sharing in the round. Um, which is all about coming together um, around a meal and sharing together about the substance of our lives. Um, it's about meaningful conversations, it's about moving beneath the surface and talking about things that matter in our lives. And I've had some of my most profound, I would even call them sacramental experiences in relationship around the table um, with people where, I honestly experience all the dimensions of Christ's peace um, in simple meal and fellowship um, with others uh, when we create that kind of safe space for real, deep, authentic sharing to occur. So I really love that practice. And the other one that I like that kind of for me is similar to it that's practiced in community, I, I just love dwelling in the word. Um, because dwelling in the word for me is all about how the story of our lives intersects with the story of scripture. And um, there have been so many times in that practice where when I'm sitting there and somebody's reading the scripture, there's nothing there. I mean, I, <laughs> there's no insights at all. Um, but then the group starts to share and people start sharing out of the experience of their lives and, all of a sudden these insights start flooding in as their experience connects with my experience and the spirit opens up, you know, new vistas of possibility uh, for what that can mean for not only me individually, but what that can mean for us collectively. And um, I am never disappointed uh, in the dwelling in the word practice when we come together as community and come receptive and expecting that the spirit will reveal something to us in the midst of our collective experiences together. Oh man, I'm totally with you on that one. Those are two of my favorites too. The first one you talked about involves eating and talking, two of my absolute favorite activities. Yeah, I mean, how can you go wrong with that, right? <laughs> you really, really can't. And yeah. um, with that sharing in the round, is there like, this is going to sound way harder than I'm trying to make it, but is there like a formula to follow or is there, is it really just an intentional conversation over food? 
Well, you know, I think it's a little more, you know, you know, so a lot of people, the, the art of hospitality uh, in a lot of ways has been lost in our society today. Um, so a lot of people are, for whatever reason, are comfortable having somebody into their home. Um, I, I think sharing in the round takes on a whole different dimension when you invite somebody into your home and you extend them hospitality. Um, you, you've, gone, you've been thoughtful. You've prepared a meal. Uh, you've set the table um, and you've, you've really prepared everything for there to be the opportunity for rich, meaningful conversation uh, in addition to sharing in food. But the actual act of preparation itself conveys something of how much we value the other. And so um, I love sharing in the round when we invite someone into our home um, and of course, you know, you can do it in a restaurant, you can do it in a coffee house, you can do it in a variety of places. It can still be a very meaningful practice, but I love the practice coupled with um, intentional hospitality uh, because I just think it opens up a whole nother dimension of um, really conveying to the other person, I really value you. I want you to be here. And um, I've made preparation for us to have this time together. Well, yeah, I mean, in every spiritual practice, there has to be some sort of vulnerability and inviting people into your home is, is creates that vulnerability. You're allowing people to see how you live and all that stuff. So there's already kind of a, this vulnerable space that has been opened up. So I can see how that particular one, inviting someone to your house would be uh, just an opening experience. Yeah. So... I know that you're a big reader. I know you love reading and I know you love, you're excellent at writing resources. And so I would be amiss if I didn't ask you about some books that you, you know, want to talk about some books that you love, some books that you're finding to be help you on this journey of spiritual practices or on this journey for LCM. I want to hear them all. (laughs) Well, I'll share just, I'll share just a couple. Um, I, um, I'm really interested right now in a, in a book that I've read by Alan Roxborough um, called Joining God, Remaking the Church, Changing the World. And um, it actually is a book about how we as um, authentic, invitational, and loving Christian communities can revision the church through becoming communities of practice, uh, communities of spiritual practice, that are, are, in an essence, on the spiritual journey together, uh, which is, is not so much about disseminating doctrines as it is about exploring this divine mystery that we call God and what that means in the world today, um, and inviting other people to be a part of that exploration. Um, so love that book. Uh, I think it's, a, it's an excellent read. It's fairly short, and uh, Alan does an excellent job kind of talking about our current context as well as um, a new way for small Christian communities to step into the future together um, through some of these core spiritual practices. So I love that book. Um, another one that um, I'm in the midst of almost completed, but I'm, I'm really excited about too, is one called um, A New Monastic Handbook uh, from Vision to Practice by Ian Mosby and Mark Berry. Uh, and there's a forward written in here by Sean or Shane Claiborne, uh, which some people will recognize uh, that name uh, 
because of his connection with Community of Christ. Um, but this is another book that basically um, looks at the history of monastic communities and how they really throughout the history of the Christian movement um, have in many ways have been that, that community that has kept the light on in terms of spiritual practice and openness to what the spirit is seeking to reveal, even at times when the institutional church um, maybe found itself a little bit out of touch uh, with its context. And so um, this new monastic handbook is a book that really explores um, some of the Roxborough book, but maybe through a little, little more um, radical lens, um, what, it, what it looks like to be these kind of these monastic communities today that are in the world, um, but not quite, but not of the world. They're somewhat on the fringes of society that they're living into this alternative way of the kingdom of God. Uh, and they are in many ways pointing the way toward that unfolding vision that God has for our world and practices are very central to what it means to be a community like this about, you know, discovering a shared uh, kind of rhythm of life that shapes the community and continues to open the community and connect them with opportunities to extend Christ's hospitality and, and healing in the world. So um, I would highly recommend uh, the book. It's very practical and for groups that are really interested in getting more into what does spiritual practice look like through the lens of community? Uh, I think it's a great book. It sounds really good. Like the word monastic might actually scare some people, you know, thinking like, oh, I can't do those kinds of things. I can't live that kind of life. But what it sounds like is that it's really good for maybe small groups of people, you know, like congregations that are 10 or less or something like that. Maybe that sounds like it, you might be saying, hey, just check it out. See what you're thinking. Yeah, definitely. I'd definitely say 10 or less or even 20 or less um, that, you know, if, if, when you, if you take a look at the book, you'll discover that there's lots of expressions of the monastic way of life that have unfolded over the years, the Benedictines, the Franciscans, um, you know, uh, and a lot of these groups actually were very connected with the reality in the world around them. It isn't just about going off in the desert. And, you know, kind of, you know, getting away from the world. But, uh, you know, particularly the Franciscans, well, the Benedictines too, I mean, really comes out of this very simple notion of loving God with all your heart, might, mind and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself, which is very much about engagement with the world. So um, it's, it's calling us into this new way to kind of, another way to be look at it would be to say, uh, it's almost like being these these small missional communities that are being shaped by the spirit through shared communal practices together and then are, you know, being sent um, as they connect with people and situations and relationships um, as a result of that new awakening that occurs through the practices they engage in together. So I think it has a lot of relevance to Community of Christ, and even uh, President Vesey's recent remarks um, that he made to the church on, in September on the 20th, uh, where he challenged the church to be these spiritual form communities of compassionate action, um, you know, where he was exploring the connection 
between spiritual formation and mission, contemplation and action, basically saying that these things aren't disconnected, um, that this is about living a, a way of life that leads us into the heart of God and God's vision for our world. So I think it's all pretty exciting stuff. That sounds amazing. I, I can already think about four groups in my head who might be interested in getting started with that. So I'm going to have to grab that book myself. So I have one other question for you and that we haven't talked about. So you can say, Hey, Carla, I don't want to answer that, but I think you do. Um, you are in my mind, the resident expert. Um, and I know that you have talked about all both on this podcast, spiritual practices and missional practices. So what in your mind is the difference between those two? And also where are all those connecting points? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I'd, I'd like to answer that question. Um, there is no difference between missional practices and spiritual practices. Um, for some um, people, spiritual practices in the past have kind of been synonymous with navel gazing and um, where, you know, your spiritual practices are somehow disconnected from the reality of life. That, that's been a bias that some people have had about spiritual practices. And um, when we started the Leading Congregations and Mission Pilot, um, I wanted to find a way to recast spiritual practices as something that are um, deep, that deeply connect us with the reality of the world around us and people around us. And so um, decided to use the term missional practices as a way to say spiritual practices are all about mission. Um, and and they're, it's not like we're hijacking spirituality and using it for mission. It's that in Community of Christ, we believe that everything is spiritual. So, um, you know, there, there, there is no segmentation between spirit and mission. We're talking about living into the uh, reality of God in our world. And we understand God is this communal expression of, of love and hope and peace in the world. And, you know, the practices should lead us deeper into the heart of God and how God seeks to be expressed through those of us who call ourselves Christians and disciples and seek to live that out in community in the world today. So, um, yeah, so the whole missional practice thing was just a way to get people to pay attention to spiritual practices. And, uh, but they're, they're one and the same. Um, and, um, you know, they're all about connecting us with the reality of God's spiritual world around us in which there isn't anything that falls outside the providence of God. That's right. Gosh, that was very helpful. I, I don't know if our listeners were confused by that, um, but I'm really glad to hear you state it um, so that everybody seem, will know. Missional practices are spiritual practices yep. Yep. because Just everything's an, spiritual. Exactly. Put an equal sign there and uh, you, you've got it, you got it figured out. Oh, uh, you, you know you're just speaking my language with all that math talk. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> That's as far well, as it goes Ron, for me. Oh, uh, well, the equal sign works for me. <laughs> uh, Ron, this has just been a great podcast. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about that we missed? Is it, was there any more books you want to talk about or another communal or spiritual practice that was one of your favorites? No, I, I, I just would want to offer this note of encouragement. Um, to folks out there. Um, spiritual practice is a lot like, uh, to me, like, you know, learning how to exercise or 
a couple of years ago, you know, I made the decision to become vegan for health reasons. And, you know, initially the spiritual practices feel strange to us. They don't, it's like they don't fit. Um, and it takes a while for the spiritual practices to, to cease becoming spiritual practices and just become an integrated part of our lives. And, and when that happens and we're no longer thinking, oh, now I'm praying the mission prayer or, or now I'm doing the prayer of examine or now I'm doing this, but they become so deeply ingrained into the rhythm and patterns of our lives that they just become a part of who we are and what we do. Um, it's like my, you know, I'm vegan. I don't think anything about it. I, when I go out, I order that way. I don't think about, oh gosh, now I got to make sure I order something, you know, that doesn't have meat or dairy in it. Um, that's, that's just a part of who I am now. And that's the same with spiritual practice. And I, I guess the other thing I would just like to say is that don't be discouraged because there are many days where I engage in spiritual practice and there isn't anything there at all. I, I don't sense anything. I don't feel anything. Sometimes I don't even think anything. Um, but what's happening there is I am conveying to, um, this ultimate reality that we call God, that I am available and I am receptive and I am creating the space within me for transformation to occur because ultimately I can't make transformation occur. Transformation occurs through this divine grace of the spirit in our lives. And so even when you think nothing's happening, something's happening and uh, just hang in there with it. And I believe over time, uh, you'll begin to see the results of life in the spirit and how it leads to both disruption and fulfillment as part of the Christian walk of discipleship. Well said. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for um, being vulnerable. I know it's a little bit scary to talk about spiritual practices and what we do because then sometimes we're held more accountable for it. So sorry about that, but Um, I really appreciate your wisdom and I appreciate your thoughts. Yeah, thanks. It's been great to be with you. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines.